Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. Back after a Memorial Day hiatus last week to talk all things Iowa State sports. Randy, we're going to start zoomed out a little bit with the Big 12 with uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark delivering some public comments after the league's spring meetings in beautiful West Virginia. I think they were at the the Greenbrier Resort, which is pr- pretty ritzy for uh, for anywhere, let alone West Virginia, where you and I, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a ritzy place there. I'd, I've never stayed overnight there. You have. I have. I mean, I've told you the story about <laughs> the... Uh, it's a great story. The, the woman, I'd say probably in her 70s, that was asleep on the, the bar stool when I went for lunch one day. You said it wasn't hugs. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a story for another day, but <laughs> a, a good story nonetheless. The story for today is Brett Yormark certainly continues down the path of his, quote, open for business policy regarding expansion. Here's what he said uh, on Friday. As, as I've said all along, we have an appetite to be a national conference in our makeup from coast to coast, and we do believe in the upside of basketball moving forward as a collective group. That being said, we love our current composition. We love the four new schools coming in next month. However, if the opportunity presents itself to create value, we will pursue it, end quote. Now, Randy, some of that is stuff you got to say if you're the Big 12 commissioner, but your mark's been saying it so loudly and so often since he got the job taking over for Bob Bowlesby that at this point, I think the Big 12 almost has to expand westward just to deliver on what he's saying is so important. And there, do you get that feeling? Because I, I do. I, well, that, it is. There, uh, yeah, he's gone pretty far down the road publicly to not end up uh, at the destination. I think it's just a matter. To. It's just a matter of when um, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah decide that okay, and we've had enough with the Pac-12. We're out. It sounds like Colorado's getting very close to that. At, while we while we talk about while you and I talk about this. Um, so yeah, I mean it that that part's going to happen. It without question it's going to happen. Um in Colorado, I'm guessing is is the first, which would be kind of cool because <clears throat> Colorado comes comes back in um to teams to a conference that they that they were in for a, for a long time. Um in Colorado and Iowa State, Kansas and Kansas State were actually could be the core four of of the of the new conference because just historical purposes they were part they were together starting in 1948 in the Big Seven then they stayed together in the in the 60s or when the the Big Eight started in the 60s and then until Colorado bolted for um, the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at that point in time and whatever, 2010, 2011. So that'd be kind of cool to bring those back together. And if you've ever been to Boulder, Boulder Colorado, it's a, it's a wonderful road trip. But, um, yeah, they, it's, it's going to happen. He, your Mark has said repeatedly that he wants to be, like you said, the national-type conference. Um, um, he watched, he's, he's referenced a few times being in all four time zones. They're going to have to go a bit – to do that but oh by the way also on friday he doubled down on on basketball bringing a basketball only um um the potential for bringing basketball only and gee travis who does that 
Who does that sound like? Uh, the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, yeah, because uh, they're not in that time zone. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> that would be Gonzaga. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and that's been out there. I mean, he talked about decoupling football and basketball. So that'd be that'd be fine. And then if you're going to bring, if you're going to bring, um, um, what's your jigger? If you're going to bring uh, Gonzaga in, that's going to make it a uneven number, which is fine because they're not going to play football anyway. But, oh, you might as well bring UConn in as a basketball-only school, too. you got men and women, great basketball programs. So, hey, I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't have any idea. In, in five years down the road, it may not take that long. But in five years down the road, it could have 20 members in the in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that the conversation probably begins and at this point ends with the Pac-12 TV deal to see what yeah. Colorado and the other four corner schools do. <clears throat> and there's been... So many leaks and counter leaks and counter counter leaks and so much put out into the the ecosystem here publicly about how those Pac-12 negotiations are doing, what the Big 12 is doing lying in wait, that it's hard to, to really sort out fact and fiction here. But what I've been coming back to in terms of the whole situation is despite the optimism you sometimes hear from the Pac-12 about what their TV deal is going to be, my position has always been... If you had a good deal, you'd have a deal. Like if you liked the deal, yeah. you'd make the deal. And as we sit here on Monday morning, uh, recording this ahead of the show, that they don't have a deal. There's no deal, so they're not hearing enough to agree to something. Which, given how long, like how often we've heard a deal is imminent coming from the Pac-12, I'm just going to use that within yes. within the Pac-12, from I believe the commissioner, from ads, from principals within the league, that a deal was coming. In the next couple of weeks, and now we're in months, and we're into June. To me, that signals that there's an issue that they're not getting the number or the platforms that they want. Because if they were, you say, "Okay, thank you, shake hands, and move on. Keep your league intact, and put an end to all this other junk." And obviously, the Pac-12 is not in a position to do that, which I would be worried about if I were the rest of the league. You and I were in were in Marshalltown a month ago. It seems I don't know when it was at at the one of the Cyclone um, tailgate tour stops. I believe you were standing there with me. We were talking to Jamie Pollard on the record about stuff. I was interviewing him about random stuff. And then we started talking, maybe you asked it, I don't know, about conference realignment and stuff. He used the word imminent. I mean, he says what he reads different stuff every day um, about, about conferences out east and about conferences out west. Um, you read so much stuff that, and this, that here's that word, something appears imminent and it does. It, it, abs- it absolutely does. So, um, as you say, if the, if the PAC 12 had some sort of an agreement or even was working towards an agreement, I don't, I don't think we'd be thinking this, but, but right now I would, I would say that, that the Pac-12 has nothing on the table, and why would the Pac? Why would the TV networks offer the Pac-12 lots of money for a TV contract, not knowing who the exactly that conference is going to include, especially when you're losing who UCLA and 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 who else? So who else is going to the USC big and UCLA? U, yeah, USC and UCLA. Um, so yeah, I, I think that. Uh, um, the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve could be on the verge of Im- of implosion, or 
I don't know, maybe San Diego State or somebody like, you know, schools like that have to have landing spots sometime. And they, who knows, they may end up in a, in a real expanded Big 12. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem here is simply timing for the Pac-12. You know, when you talk, when you look at the media landscape, you're seeing lots of layoffs in that space, and one that, that we know well. <laughs> and then you look yeah. at technology, which I think they were probably betting on to be their saving grace, whether it was Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and you, you name the streamer. You know, they have been rocked as hard as any industry in the last six months with uh, the way th- things have reoriented uh, in the economy where they're probably not coming in with the dollars that maybe the Pac-12 was hoping for six months or a year ago. Um, you know, you've seen Disney talk about the ex- how expensive live sports rights are, talking about moving ESPN to a direct-to-consumer option. That, like, There's just a lot of upheaval in the industry, which makes for a pretty cruddy time to be trying to fight for your life with your television contract uh, right now if you're the Pac-12. So some of it is just going to be a timing issue here. And again, if they had a deal, they'd have a deal. We'll see what ultimately it comes to. But you know, with your mark, another thing you announced on Friday is the Big 12 got $44 million bucks per school. That's a big number. And the new TV deal is going to, to buoy the Big 12's financial interests even going forward here uh, without Texas and Oklahoma. So th- that number is not going to drastically shrink. It's probably going to grow, and that's going to put pressure on George Klyakov, the, the Pac-12 commissioner, to really bring home a serious deal here. And we will see if he can do it because they haven't announced one here to this point. And I think like the other part that we probably need to talk about more is like who is this expansion for? Does, does this make college football better if Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State are in the Big 12? Because then the Pac-12 is probably done. You're getting Washington and Oregon going somewhere, and then now, like, what is does football, college football, exist on the West Coast in any real form going forward? Is it like what fans are clamoring for this? That they'll make one trip a decade to Tucson or to you know wherever out to Boulder? I mean, I just you wonder. They're obviously chasing dollars here, but. Eventually, does this become detrimental 5, 10, 15 years down the road? And or does anybody care? And I think I know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, you're, ch- you're right. You hit it. They're chasing dollars. Um, that, that's, a, that's a great question you, you asked, though. I mean, it's a great conversational piece. Um, who, is, who is all this for? Um, it's certainly not for, it's certainly not for, let me think this out. For is, it for, is it for, it's not for the fans. Is it for Cincinnati for sure. fans who are going to have, have a 10, it, 15 exactly. PM local kickoff time for their game at BYU Ex- in a couple quite, months? Yes. That's like, our, that's exciting for everybody. Or, like look forward to a lot more of those. If Iowa state or central if, Florida fans would have to go to, uh, that have to watch. What about basketball? Central Florida plays Zaga Gonzaga in basketball, for example. Well, or I mean, the Cincinnati West Virginia plays Gonzaga, which might be a high interest game. But good golly, what time would that game start? Well, Wherever you are, I don't care if you're on the East Coast or the. But and the Cincinnati be BYU one's not even a. And it's we not a hypothetical. Yes, yeah, it, yeah, it is literally they play at nine fifteen Central. That's ten fifteen local yeah. time for Cincinnati fans who aren't going to make the exactly. trip out to Provo. Uh, for a football game. I mean, that's... It, it, yeah, they're, again, so they're, like, they're certainly not doing it for the you fans. You take and their money, you take their tip times and kick times, but man alive. Here's one more thing that's not for the fans. They're they're announcing more this week on... Uh, Yormark said Friday that they're announcing more this week 
on playing football games in Mexico. You really think that's for the fans? No, that's not for the fans. Are any fans going to, Iowa State fans going to drive down to Mexico to go to a go to a game? They got an airport in Mexico City, Randy. We've been over this. Mexico City is very popular right now. But I hear you. It's not, it's not for local fans. It's for growing the fan base of the Big 12, right? What good did that do, though, with growing your fan base in Mexico? But well, anyway. If you can have international rights deals, that's what helps you. But again, that doesn't help fans. That helps the bottom line exactly. for the university. It's, it, once, it's, once again, it, yes, it's not. They're, they're doing this without the fans involved. And I we hit this ad nauseum. Talk about fans. They're, they, messing, they messed up the Big 12 basketball tournament, the most successful conference tournament that's out there. And they're messing up with that one. If that fan friendly, no. Remember three years ago when the conversation was, you know, will college sports be chastened uh, amid the financial turmoil of the pandemic? I think I think we know the answer to that. Now. Yeah, exactly. That, that, the answer so, was no. Very so much. So I don't. We lost track here. Um, but this is June. We lose. And track again, like I like it. What college football has become, I don't even blame the Big Twelve for doing this. No. It's, it's they want to be. They, they want to be the right there is. in line behind 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 the SEC and the Big Ten. I mean, they want to be the third best conference. They want to be the number three conference out there. Yeah, and again, this and just the ACC highlights. Certainly not going to catch them. This highlights so much of what is probably to the college sports' detriment that there is no guiding. That there is no power structure to move everything in one direction because you're you're dealing with this weird coast to coast expansion. You're de- dealing with name, image, and likeness. You're dealing with the court cases that are going to question whether student athletes should be employees. And you're dealing with the transfer the, portal, the SEC, <laughs> and the Big Twelve Ten pulling away financially from everybody, which makes you wonder they're going to pull away competitively at one point. That there's just everybody's out for themselves, which is like in this situation probably what you have to do. But man, for the overall, it it seems to be deteriorating the entire ecosystem with each individually focused move that is good for you, but maybe bad for the sport. Let's let's just see where this ends up. Let's you know for the Big Twelve, like I threw five years out there. I'll, I'll keep that out there. In five years. Let's see what the payout is for each of the schools. The Big 12 have said, uh, administrators have said that they did their due diligence on the schools that they that they invited and that have accepted the four new schools. Each, each one of them brings something different to the table that's not going to in, in, interrupt the, uh, their, the Big 12 bottom line. So I'm assuming that, that the... Once it's it'll be divided by what twelve uh twelve this number will be divided by twelve I'm assuming that number will still be somewhere in the forty forty four million dollar in the forty four million dollar range where they got this year because if it if they go backwards if they go backwards and then you really question yourself what did we do what did you what did we do here so anybody that you know I I, I know I, I I know what he has said about your mark has said about getting into the four time zones those time zone schools had better those four those schools had better all bring carry their own financial weight in the big time well, we know gonzaga will i mean because yeah, I mean, they're, just, they're when, you're, when you're talking but, about time zones like you're you're obviously talking about tv money and you're not talking about anything that actually I know. Yeah, matters yeah, yeah. No, and i'm not saying you randy I'm no i know you're right big though. 12 that it's just again i think we've probably lost the thread here and we did a long time ago in terms of the sport, but 
it is what it is because I, nobody is clamoring for West Virginia, Arizona State tipping or kicking off at ten fifteen on a Friday or Saturday night. Like that's just nobody. <laughs> no current fans. You're not like, going to watch of, that. Any, that should go to I, mean, bed. I mean, maybe people will watch that, but it's not again for the people that are probably paying all the bills. Uh, it, it's inventory. It's inventory. That's a good way to put that. It is in, it is inventory, and, and yeah, they need some kind of inventory. But but uh, um, it's I guess this is one of those deals where we have to trust our Big Twelve leaders. And let's not forget, <laughs> under with Bob Bowlesby at the helm, they brought this conference back from what everybody was said was going to be dead in two thousand and six to what it is now. So trust so, no one, Randy. Trust uh, no one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Including you. This has been the this has this is the Cyclone <laughs> Insider Radio Hour trust. from the Des Moines Register on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. When we come back, we'll switch gears and talk a little Team USA World Cup basketball. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. Travis Hines and Randy Peterson here. Talking Iowa State sports. If you missed our discussion in the first segment, talking about potential Big 12 expansion after Brett Yormark's uh, remarks to the media on Friday, be sure to check out that and all of our previous segments and episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Going to talk a little Iowa State men's basketball now with the news last week becoming official that three players. Um, Omaha Balu, Milan Momsilovich, and Jackson Pavaletsky, along with Coach TJ Otzelberger, will be partaking in the USA Basketball U19 training camp next week in Colorado Springs. The three Iowa State players will have a chance to make the team that will be heading over to Hungary later this month to compete for a FIBA U19 World Cup. TJ Otzelberger will be there for the week, essentially helping run tryouts, uh, providing a... uh, you know, an extra set of eyes as they try to put the team together will not be traveling to Hungary. He's called what is a court coach, uh, along with I believe the Georgia Southern coach and the the Notre Dame coach, Micah Shrewsbury. I mean, one of the high profile hires of this last offseason with Tad Boyle from Colorado, the head coach of that U nineteen team, and he'll be bringing along two assistants. Mike Boynton is the one I remember from Oklahoma State. I, I can't remember I the third. Was, yeah. um, obviously, Boynton is a name everyone around here knows well. After his success at Oklahoma State. Uh, but Randy, quite the opportunity, I think, anytime you have players or a coach associated with Team USA, that's a pretty good uh, indication of where things are going for your program. Iowa State last had their, well, maybe not indication for your program. At least that you've got good players in there because the last time Iowa State did, uh, it was Tyrese Halliburton in 2019. That team and the following teams did not end up doing well for Iowa State, but that uh, Halliburton kid turned out to be pretty good. Lottery pick, all-star in year, I believe, three or four uh, in the NBA. So high-profile event. I think Omaha Baloo is obviously the most likely to make the team, given his status as a McDonald's All-American. And then I think Momsilovich and Pavletsky will be kind of how well do they shoot it in training camp and what are the overall roster needs. Because both of those guys, they're known for putting the ball in the basket. You know, Is there going to be a spot for them and a need for them You know, among, I think, the 35 players that were – uh, selected to try out in Colorado Springs. But regardless of how it shakes out, good opportunity for all three of those guys and a really interesting opportunity for TJ Otzelberger. If he's able to stick within USA Basketball, maybe get an assistant job, maybe getting a head coaching job. Those are major feathers in your cap 
on the recruiting trail because Team USA basketball, you know, really probably since I want to say at least ten years now, maybe going back to '08, has really elevated its status within the the basketball ecosystem of things that uh, recruits college players and NBA players care about. I mean, we just saw Anthony Edwards agreed to play for the World Cup this year, and he's one of the up and coming players in the league. Yeah, it's it's great for them. It um and it's great for it's great uh, branding for the um for TJ's program. Um, let me play devil's advocate here for a moment. Um, what does it, at Iowa State because of the roster uh, turnover is usually large, and because they teach defense before shooting up there anymore at Iowa State anymore. What does having, let's say, one of those players and TJ even, because all three of them are going to make the team, but one of the. I wouldn't think you're you're rolling your eyes. I mean, I have no idea. I would think it would be unlikely, but you never. Know. Yeah. So you, yeah. So anyway, does that do anything to? I don't mean the chemistry of the of the 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 Iowa State team coming, but does it do anything as far as the learning process that that there is? Because I assume it's a it's a pretty steep learning curve going from high school, um. To, to TJ's program style where, you know, like I said, you better you better bust your butt on defense. Yeah, um, I think, like, whatever disruption it is is worth it to have the opportunity. Yeah. Like, even at, like, at worst-case scenario, like, and I'm using air quotes, worst-case scenario, these guys are back by, you know, right after the 4th of July, so they're essentially only losing two or three weeks of their summer. And the Iowa State essentially has an extended – summer because of the trip to the Bahamas where right. they get the 10 extra practices yeah. so they can really you know cram in a lot between you know let's say July 6th and September 1 or whatever it is that the their fall practices come to an end so I, I don't I think whatever disruption it is it causes with getting the team prepared over the summer pales in comparison to the opportunity it is individually and also the opportunity for the program to raise its profile because I know like most people listening to this have probably never watched a FIBA U19 game, and I've only watched a few, but it is something that recruits care about. It's something that transfers care about to have entree to USA basketball because it is prestigious and it's a thing people want to be a part of. And remember, Iowa State also does have another uh, USA basketball gold medalist on the roster in Taman Lipsy, who was the starting point guard, I think, on the was it the U16 team before he tore his ACL? I, yes, and I like I said, I wasn't throwing anything anything derogatory out there. I just I just wanted to know if it would cause any any kind of disruption in the in the learning process. But you're right; they've got they've got the practices leading up to um, um, the Bahamas. They've got the games in the Bahamas. Then they're they're going where else are they? They're going one other place. Um, aren't they going one other place? I don't think so. I guess they're not in Florida this year in any tournament, are they? Yeah. Oh, uh, you're talking about for during the regular season? Yeah. yeah they're in the something in Orlando. I don't know what it's called. It's anymore. not. Yeah. Like it's, you and I were there. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. That and but that's during the season. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I I think I think that uh, and yeah. Plus, let's not forget you get the NCAA allows practices also for teams that are that are doing the you know overseas trip, which I guess technically is 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 the Bahamas. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's it's the pluses far outweigh you know whatever else. Um, 
There may be. So, and it's, and it's, as far as for TJ, it's good for him also. He gets his out, name out there on the national stage more than it is right now, the international stage possibly. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see anything uh, um, that'll work against Iowa State. Now, we don't know who they open the season with, um, you know, what kind of schedule, early season schedule it has, but I'm assuming it's kind of like it's been in the past. Um, yeah, I so, mean, to me, I, the thing it underscores. We know when is, it starts, like when we, when, uh, November 8th or something like that, yeah. I think. Yeah, or December. What was it? November 8th. First week of November, I believe. Yeah. Is the yeah. Start. But yeah, I think it underscores how well they're recruiting. Mm-hmm. And again, I've said this before, you know, with whatever success you've had the last two years, which is if you're Iowa State, has far outstripped uh, whatever expectations you could pob- possibly have imagined. To me, this is kind of the unofficial start of the TJ Otzelberger program because the last two teams, I think, were pretty isolated in their construction and in their uh, long-term viability where that changes this year, where you're over half your team is freshmen or sophomores, and you've got guys that you have publicly said that you part of your recruiting pitch is that it's people that want to be Cyclones and want to be there for the long-term. Now, maybe that's not Omaha Baloo if he's got a chance to go one and done, but you've got Milan Momsilovic, who's a top 50 kid. You've got uh, Jelani Hamilton and Caden Fish that they're high on. So there are lots of pieces here that could be around for a while, and they're the pieces that Iowa State pursued with every op- with every option available to them because they'd been established at Iowa State, where that first roster, it was kind of the, the amount of players available to you was small. The amount of players available to you the next season – a little bigger, but still not a a complete opportunity to go pursue whoever you wanted. That changed with this 2023 class. And so I think that's why you're seeing, why I look at it as this is the long-term future of what Iowa State basketball, the vision that Otzelberger and his staff have for it. We'll see what ultimately it comes to fruition, both uh, for USA basketball and for Iowa State basketball this winter. But that's all we've got on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.